0: Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly klingan that's me, and we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed, the Washington President at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. Are we live? It's live. It's live. Oh my God. <laughs> Baby Jesus, <laughs> thank you. That was an ordeal. Whoa.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Two weeks in the making, folks. Oh, my God. Oh,
0: my goodness. Facebook has been, uh, has decided to and off the Beth and Kelly show. <laughs> <laughs> but we triumphed. <laughs> Beth read the manual yet again and suggested to go on Firefox, which I had never heard of before. And so we just went ahead and downloaded that and booped around and um, 20 minutes later, (laughs) success. Here is
1: teacher happy hour at this time.
0: We needed to be able to have this conversation right now, even though it's 20 minutes late, that is all good. We are joined.
1: A week in twenty minutes. Okay.
0: In twenty minutes, right? This exact thing happened last week, and I did my homework, and I thought I fixed the problem, and of course I hadn't really. So, um, apologies, friends, and um, you know well, what? I'm gonna
1: at this time. I want to point out one of my strengths. Yes. That I didn't really realize I had. Yes. Um, I'm really good at looking up like how to fix things documents great and i never think that i could ever fix anything like this but you did
0: (laughs) and i (laughs) did it like like, and you fixed it in the walter episode that's right (laughs) dude you're like on fire with this (laughs) manual instructions and like telling me what to do yeah rtfd right My favorite part everybody of this scenario was the moment that Beth decided she was going to find the instruction manual all of a sudden her screen starts shaking like this and Courtney and I start giggling because we (laughs) know that Beth has begun typing. Because she is the most there is no question. like the most ferocious sound the keyboard <laughs> you can imagine. And only people who have shared an office with the great Beth Fortune know. <laughs> yes. Yes. And these two people here have. <laughs> it's the pincher technique. I love it. It was oh funny goodness. because, and
1: you know, this is a good segue into our um, our topic for today. Because, yes. um, I do believe that it was a student who muted me during camp for typing. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> <We> got and off <laughs> by a kid who um, decided it was time. <laughs> And you know what? That's that's fair. That's fair. And off. And off. I taught some people about and off last night, non-musicians, and they loved it. I think it's going viral. I think it's
1: I think it, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. What um what we discovered is that our um computers are magnetic. Our computers. So I have the and off button magnetized right here on my computer. It's Why didn't I know that? Well, I don't know, but these are they supposed to be these SPS computers are magnetic.
0: OK, wow, <laughs> Magnet all over them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny stuff. Um, well, we are joined here today with um, Courtney. And Courtney Ratley is the Choir Director at Ballard High School. And Courtney, the whole time I've known you, you've been at Ballard. So it's been about 13 years or so. Is that right?
2: It is right. It's very good, Kelly.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. you know, first year at SPS, my daughter was an infant. So she's 13 now. So Wait, was that your first year too? Yeah. At oh, washington 30, 30, 30. yeah okay yeah yeah so that's
1: pretty oh that math was easy and so Courtney, um she runs one of the only comprehensive choral programs in the city of seattle well uh, there's
2: been some good
1: movement on that front, but be, in the last few years yeah but really like the ballard Choirs are really like the most established ones in our whole entire district. It's crazy that our district is okay with not having, you know,
0: choir everywhere,
1: orchestra, you know, Um, it's crazy.
0: Crazy is one word for it. Irresponsible is another, (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I could think of some other choice words. Um, but Courtney, I remember first meeting you, um, and my, but, uh, working with you for the first time when we were doing the, um, course codes. Oh yeah. Uh, you guys remember that project? We were all three on it.
2: I do. I do remember
0: that. <laughs> it's a nightmare, right?
2: I wrote, I think I finished the project. It was, I think it was due, like, after winter break yeah yeah we all met at a coffee shop we during winter break. And, then, and then i procrastinated so much that i basically just opened a bottle of wine like two nights yeah. before we due at the end
0: of break it just
2: powered through the night like right
0: <laughs> yeah and what what was it we were like putting together um descriptions right to show uh growth markers yeah each semester was that right yeah, that, we
2: couldn't teach the same thing every semester. We had to show that if kids took the class for eight semesters, they did something
0: different every right. semester. Somebody downtown was demanding that if kids wanted to take choir over and over and over, that they needed to show that each semester of choir would be distinctly different with learning right. objectives. It would have growth. Yeah, we had to write them, um, and all of the various spots for growth, and then like uniform course titles and descriptions, right? So they'd be mm-hmm. universal throughout the district. Did those get you, are those used? No, they are
2: course codes now. Our work was not in
1: <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually, you know, it works nicely and you know, it never dawned on me why it made sense um, until I started teaching high school. A lot of things in middle school just don't apply to reality
0: mm-hmm.
1: in high school is when it starts counting and now i'm like oh, okay i get it back when we did the work i was like okay we're doing this but i don't really understand why right now i understand and it kind of allowed us to give the kids oc ed credit yep like, that couple
2: semesters which saved like high school programs because it let kids actually take it all four years, so I was like willing to do the work knowing that
0: that would happen. Now why is it that I was allowed to take jazz band as an oc credit in like 1995? Yeah, kind of okay. So
2: now, that's better, now like they're just letting everybody do that.
0: Okay. pretty much. So it's universal through the district? Yes,
2: to be equitable. So that's good.
0: That is good. And so then we all worked together again, writing the cornerstone assessment, right? Mm-hmm. Which Beth and I have chatted out on the show before, this uh, yes. idea of a um, standard it?
2: test. Your work was what we based the whole cornerstone on. Wasn't it? Like you guys had done that at Washington and then that's what we decided to do.
0: And Deb Schaaf had been doing it too. Okay. And so I can't remember if like, Pam asked us to try and pilot it so that we could use it. I can't recall, but yeah, it was something we had done and Deb Schaff had been doing, and it came together as this cornerstone assessment to show the progress that students made on a project together. And then didn't we all come back together to write the baseline assessment for the cornerstone assessment? Right. All right, so this is like a serious SPS think tank right here, folks.
1: And you know, um, as, as it always goes with um, work that you do like that, and I'm currently working on a big project right now that I've been working, um, work, I, I'm working with a band specialist on writing a curriculum that has to do with creating. Um, but making use of Library of Congress materials mm-hmm. and um, primary sources. And um, I just got off the phone with my collaborator, Teresa Houlihan, like just before this. And um, as I've, I have always discovered when working on big projects like that, or the, the cornerstone thing that we worked on, once it gets published and you push it out into the world, you're like, "Oh man, I would change this, I would change that. I would change this." <laughs> and right. it's like so many so many ways that I would evolve that cornerstone assessment right now.
2: even once we wrote it, then it got sent to like like a curriculum editor who like, right.
0: Swip, right.
2: but like took the word singing out of it. So all of them say like playing, and I'm like, I like cross it out, right? Or singing, like when I project. It, right? I'm like,
1: why did they do that? I'm like, they were just standardizing. it, like, They put? they so. standardized it the wrong
0: way. <laughs> they standardized you right out of it. <laughs> it's so tough because you want those projects to be more like a living document that- Oh, totally. That grows and evolves and is useful- that's the whole idea. Yeah. And how it's, does that get lost? Yeah,
1: it's the same with my master's thesis. It's like I always get these emails from like the the place where people download people's papers. Mm-hmm. And like literally every month there's like at least 10 downloads and I'm like, "Dude, who is reading this?" <laughs> I have evolved so much since i wrote that paper man
0: (laughs) yeah i mean isn't that the whole point i think yeah the whole point of what we're talking about is um
1: i guess you gotta jump in
0: everyone comes to this work at different times in different ways you gotta jump in you gotta do the work and you have to continue to evolve for the rest of your teaching career. Right. That is what I appreciate about both of you so much is that we all had, all three of us had very um, traditional music upbringings. Um, And I'd say you both more than I, um, at least when I met you had a really strong, like you both volunteered your time on various committees and um, and organizations. And that wasn't something I was doing yet and not something I really ever considered doing. Like being an advocate for other music teachers wasn't on my radar. I thought it was kind of jive. Like I'm just gonna go in my room and do what I do as the band guy. Because that was the model, right? I do this, you do your thing, mm-hmm. you do yours, and it wasn't until, you know, I, I met Beth and collaboration was so important, but then working with the two of you on these projects that I realized how much we all benefit as a field when we are able to go across, you know, to Courtney, the choir teacher, or to Beth, the orchestra teacher, and that's where the memories are made.
1: For sure, well, And it, that's where, I don't know, it becomes less scary, I guess, to try something that is big time crazy. And I mean, that could be a crazy type of performance or it could be like what we're gathered here tonight to talk about, um, a camp that like, jumps into the world of addressing culturally responsive um, environment in the classroom and decolonization. Um, You know, it's real easy to just fall back on, what are you doing for COVID? What's your mic setup? Are you recruiting your kids for a, you know, a virtual performance? What uh, platform are you using? You know, it is like, so easy to just fall back on that line of conversation and you find that like three hours has gone by and nothing is done and you just feel like an idiot because you don't have a fancy mic and um you don't also don't know how to utilize band lab or Soundtrap or whatever Mm -hmm. audacity upbeat music all of these different things and you're just like I'm tired but then like jumping into something new is hard and doing it together with a group of
0: people
1: makes it easier easier, but still hard
0: (laughs) so I'm curious like um because we're debriefing about the camp that we did two weekends ago for Ballard High School's music department and so I am curious what the conversation was like between you guys and the boosters and like, how how did you all go about convincing the powers that be that uh, band camp or choir camp, orchestra camp for the beginning of school was not gonna be how it usually was. How did that happen? Well, it's interesting because like,
2: it was just a conversation like between the teachers mm-hmm. uh, Saying, like, we got to figure out, we had sort of reserved three weekends in September for like a band camp. <laughs> we'd already figured out that we weren't going to be able to actually go to camp, but we reserved the football field, you know, and we were like, well, we can do like, if we were going to be in a hybrid, we could do you know, socially distant stuff outside. And then it was kind of becoming clear that that wasn't really going to work. So we were like, well, maybe we just do it all online, but if we're going to do it online, what if we do it together? And that would cut down, you know, that seemed less intimidating, mm-hmm. the idea yeah. of doing it together because it was such a new concept. Mm-hmm. And Beth brought up the idea of, you know, I'd love to like do some of this work. And that's been such a big focus, like from our district, but also just, you know, over the past year or two in, in our schools in general. And so, and it's work that we all, you know, believe so strongly in that. The idea of kind of like kicking it off there was intriguing to me. And the, the idea of not having to delve into that work alone and knowing that, you know, Beth had spent a lot of time this summer, like when I was at a point where I just couldn't do another webinar, she had like done a lot. And so I'm like, oh, God, I can like no. share what she learned. Um, and the thing is, like, we didn't ask anybody. We just like, like, people don't really question. I don't right. know, we just really- been in
0: a building long enough you're trusted to do what you think is right well the thing
1: is the thing is kelly that the district is basically expecting that teachers are going to enter into this work they want us to do this and so we're not going to get like a pushback from our admin if we want to do this type of activity with students and in fact i believe that they will ask us, what are you doing to do this work? You know what I mean? I think really like when we sit down for our evaluation for meeting, reckoning. Yeah, they're going to say, what are you doing to address this work? And so as scary as it is, um, and I sent an email to three different teachers on the uh, racial equity team just to say. I. I am nervous about this and scared. I'm just saying this out loud.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just like fishing for like, can you please talk me off the ledge a little bit here? (laughs) And, And, you know, and we just jumped in with both feet and it wound up being kind of a, we need to literally buckle up for this one. This was a bumpy ride. This was a turbulent flight.
0: what ended up happening was, <clears throat> uh, let's see, um, Chris created, Chris Menna created a um, Google form that you all gave your students to fill out and it had some intake materials like name, grade, instrument, those basics, and you know, what ensemble are you in? Um, And then he had a really fancy way of asking how students self identified as far as race and gender, and then, um, asked some questions like, uh, do you know what decolonizing a music curriculum means? And these types of leading questions to get kids thinking. And then I sorted all of that information, um, and put the kids in mixed groups um so that they each had a group that hopefully had choir orchestra and band students of the various levels and ages and instruments really mixed up and um we asked students if they would be willing to volunteer to be group leaders and like hella students volunteered that was a surprise that
1: was a surprise we were like we should probably come up with a backup plan in case we don't get enough student volunteers.
0: And each group had two or three volunteers. It yeah, was tons. And, um, and then from there, what did you all do for um, like any, was there pre-teaching or was it like show up on Saturday at Zoom? How did that look?
2: Uh, I mean, I had kind of started the year Talking a little about protest music and you know, teaching some songs. So we'd sort of started the conversation where we were gonna have a little bit of a focus in this area. And then I just told them, you know, numerous times. So they heard, you know, camp, we're gonna have some icebreakers and we're gonna do our choir family stuff that we always traditionally do, but also really delve into the work of you know, anti-racism and music and decolonization and music education. That's gonna kind of start some really great conversation. You know, and I related it back to the video I had. Black Lives Matter uh, week last February, one of the last times I saw them, um, that was the uh, Joel Thompson choral piece, The Seven Last Words of the, the, last words of the Unarmed. Um, and they had just been so moved by that. We had such great discussions. So I kind of said, like, you know, we're going to start doing more of that work because you all were so into it and so moved by it and felt like it was so important. So that's kind of what I just mentioned.
1: Right. And I was um w- I've created small ensembles and um, renamed them as um, not just like chamber groups, they are ensemble learning communities. And the ensemble learning communities have some jobs that they need to do in addition to, you know, picking and rehearsing and getting ready to perform music. So um, and in that way, I rolled out the um the topics that we assigned to each of the groups so um each each group had a had a word that they needed to dig into and these words um you know are kind of um guiding guiding
0: words for Conversation and thought, right? So that um, thought stems or something. They, they like call or. them roots. The
1: our district is calling these the roots. The
0: roots, right, right, right.
1: Okay. And so I rolled out the roots before we started, uh, and I I said when I rolled them out um, that we are going to be spending all day at camp digging into these roots. So you're going to have a larger understanding of the roots um, for coming back for when we enter into um, ensemble learning communities when we come back. So ensemble learning communities are going to have like a community service aspect. They're going to have, they're going to have to write a mission and a vision and they're going to have like repertoire, um, repertoire guidelines that they have to follow um so Great. i was trying to connect camp back to you know a big bulk of what we are going to be doing what you're fixing to do what i'm fixing to do with our time in remote
0: right now um and then we had a meeting with the right. student volunteers the night before camp so right. it was you gals and all the student volunteers and chris and myself right and we went through um a little form that chris made for the students to guide their pull out group time and it my sense during that meeting was that about uh, probably 80% of the kids seemed to like really grasp what we were doing and feel like, great, I got it, no problem. And then there felt to be like a subset of students that seemed really anxious. And uh, <clears throat> I couldn't quite, I I didn't understand what was so, what freaking everyone out so much. Like, what, this isn't a big deal. You're just going to be with some other kids and just ask them these questions you're not teaching you're gathering information kind of stuff well it turned out we got an email the morning of camp so the morning after the meeting with the kids and it was pretty early right like we were going to meet night, the night before not the night before okay i was just sleeping and it was a group of students the group, basically the group of students who felt really nervous and freaked out and they wanted to meet in the morning before the day. And um, and I think what we got to the bottom of was that the kids who were really worried were the band students who had a substitute. And so they hadn't been looped into what we were doing in advance and it wasn't connected to what was going to happen for the rest of the year so really we had a bunch of kind of pissed off kids who were like i want to have band camp how we normally have it what's this stuff yeah who are these people telling me i have to do this yeah i don't feel qualified to and i don't even know what you're talking about so i think we showed there like how truly important it was to some to do some pre-teaching with these Yeah.
1: Partners. The setup is really important.
2: Yeah, I think there's something else that I took from that that yeah. I didn't really, I had to work through it in my head like over the next couple of days, but like Leslie Moffat sent out something. It was like a video talking about how she was so nervous at the beginning of the year. And then like her kids said to her, you know, we just need you, we'll follow you. And I was like, you know, that's the thing is like when you have a connection with your kids, they don't really question. They're like, okay, sure, what are we doing? And, and because the band students didn't have that leadership because they had a sub and that just connection didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. That's the whole, that was the problem. It really wasn't the work we were doing. It was just that needed
0: They hadn't had time to process it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so that was, uh, I think a really important takeaway. Um, I hope that that group of kids took away that, um, that they actually were asking for a very specific thing that they never really asked for, like we sort of had to suggest it, which was they were wanting more time to just be a band community and do their various like team building exercises and those type of camp things. And they wanted that to be the bulk of the morning, sort of their first welcome to new students and whatnot which i thought was a really reasonable request wow. it took like multiple hours to get to what that what they would would help but we did come up with a great solution um so i hope the kids you know took away that it's good to it's great to reach out for with feedback but it really is only helpful if you have a solution in mind <laughs> So you know, we I, flexed the schedule and it was fine.
1: Yeah, and and we went through it and those band kids went through it and I know it was probably beneficial for them. But yeah. in my, you know, thinking about this in the days that followed, um, the takeaway that I came up with was um, maybe we should have... Had a separate camp for band. And uh, I, I honestly, not to be exclusive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the band, um, like when we planned to do this camp, all was, you know, normal and fine at Ballard High School. Right. We had the same band director that had been there for almost, a, you know, two decades, and, you know, all was well and fine. And then when it came time to hit go on camp, all of that had changed. Right. And um, like in my retro, band
0: kids needed something different.
1: At that point in what was going on in their life, like I honestly think that they needed, they needed a camp. Probably should have been separate, and um, it might have need to have been focused mostly on team building and, you know, um, like rapport, rapport building and morale building and like spend a whole day doing that. That's what they deserved at that very moment in time. Mm -hmm. And like the choir and orchestra kids probably would have like been totally fine if they worked together on camp and like, we did what we, did and it was just choir and orchestra and band had a separate one with a separate clinician and all kinds of stuff um
0: i think even better to have done that maybe the day prior maybe or uh, something and they could yeah. join for the day with you totally. yeah, yeah kind of wins so that's a nice thing to consider
1: it's a nice thing to consider like um you know in In a non-COVID world, camp is like three-ish days long. So everyone could do that. You know what I mean? Everyone could do that. But um, I just, I feel like that's what I would have changed if I could change anything. Yeah. I could go back and change something about this.
0: The other thing, like, I mean, I thought camp went great overall especially considering the fact that they're like all the band kids were like what 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 are we doing and but what occurred was really like fascinating i think um um like the kids the band kids had anger Mm -hmm. there was a large group of students that needed somebody to be pissed at yeah. and what happened because there wasn't like a team building thing um is they needed to take their anger out on either chris or myself um because it couldn't be the two of you you're their long-term teachers and uh it ended up being me and you know i am pretty comfortable in that role i i think most teachers accepted long ago that um we would be the target of unfairly placed criticism a lot of the time you have to get pretty okay with that i think um but there was this um conversation going on about I can't remember the exact topic. Chris was mentioning. It It was about a cultural appropriation. And I I believe that Chris was suggesting that um, that just because um, uh, the Ballard High School is um, 75% white that 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 didn't mean that 75 percent of the music am i remembering this conversation real right no, had it to be, specific, it,
2: you know i mean i think they were just saying like would playing different types of music be appropriation or not from our culture be cultural appropriation he was asking.
0: they were concerned and then um chris gave a definition of appropriation and was explaining that their concerns didn't really match what that word means because if you're diving into the history and the customs and all and doing a deep dive then it's not appropriation um and so he was making that point and there was a lot going on in the chat the -hmm. chat was very busy And at that particular moment, it was pretty busy with uh, some unrelated chatting. I can't remember what was going on. Like I just, I couldn't even keep track of it. It was just like so like beep, 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 just constant. And it didn't feel related, which was irritating me for sure. It was purposeful spamming. Yeah, right. And uh, Beth put in the chat a question, something like, um, if we can't play music, if it's appropriation, then, then how are we able to have a jazz book? Something about that. Right. And then the chat started going on that. And I, I can't remember, because I was in a like, a what the hell is happening, head fog, like trying to monitor the conversation and read the chat. I just remember it was like somebody was saying that jazz wasn't black music and I was like, say what? <laughs> Do you you gals recall exactly what was going on there? It was interest it was an interesting question. I think
1: it was a student who was like confused that. Something. Yeah. Was, like, some
0: confusion. And so I said out loud, I asked um, if we could all observe the norms that we agreed upon and which was to be and to use the chat appropriately and to be on topic. And if we would please listen to what Chris was saying because we were missing it by basically misusing the chat. And then some students who were appropriately using the chat had a problem with that because they thought I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then from kind of that moment on, I was a bad guy for a while. Like, okay, that's okay, because they needed somebody to be mad at. They didn't want to really, I mean, that group of kids didn't want to be doing this work. They weren't quite ready to. And I was really pushing them to do mm-hmm. something they didn't want to. Um, but that was kind of interesting because... I thought it was so obvious. (laughs) Like, Like, first of all, we're doing this. We're actively doing it right now. So it's not going away. And you know, the boosters and your teachers decided we were gonna be doing this. And Seattle Public Schools has mandated this work. So just like, let's accept it and move on was my thinking but i didn't really realize how um, how politicized how like how political what i was saying felt maybe to some kids there was a little in the chat like what is this uh some sort of black lives matter rally you know this kind of thing it's like no dude we're just it, it's interesting how these concepts have become so politicized right now Um, And I'm curious,
2: yeah,
0: I'm curious from your perspective, like when it got gnarly, (laughs) um, other than the fact that there were some kids who were pissed off at me personally, did it otherwise seem kind of all right?
1: You know, uh, for me, like, and I've collected, you know, some of the feedback that the kids um, wrote out in their small groups. Um, for me, what I'm reading is, you know, they did like, they did the work that day for the most part. Um, even the ones that might have, you know, been doing things that were distracting during our, um, large group meetings, there was information collected from the populace. You know what I mean? Um, and furthermore, um, it's led to some really interesting conversations that I've had one-on-one with various students of mine who really actually, like, these moments planted some seeds in their brain, cool. you know I mean? and that's kind of the whole point of this, right? Like, planted these little seeds that, you know, they sit on it for a few days and are able them to iterate back to me, like, you know, I was making connections about, you know, the culture of chamber orchestra over the last three or four years, um, and how it's really shifted from being one that was extremely competitive and cutthroat to, and clicky to one that has a much different vibe. And you know, just like it, it I I have had these conversations with students, um, and, and I believe that it's directly related to them needing to spend time thinking about all the different root words that they were supposed to talk about. Um, well, and to be to also point out
2: the part of the the people getting frustrated with you, Kelly. I think also yeah. had to be that we were look we were running behind mm-hmm. because they had so, in their share out section they had so much to say and we yeah. were hear all of what they had to say which was a lot <laughs> it was a lot they had so a lot to say it was then you're we getting behind schedule and so people were getting frustrated because, because they,
0: they wanted lunch to. or their breakout groups that's fair also yeah thank you
1: and that's a, you know that's an important thing to remember when you're working with kids it is so important to like adhere to their fun time schedules right
0: <laughs> they, and need they did get all their fun time yeah <laughs> and all their break time and all of yeah. that was just uh, it, that
1: has to be sacred really yeah. with kids
0: for sure another thing that really struck me was um how many students knew the words to use but didn't quite know what they meant mm-hmm. and that was really interesting to me because i was the type of kid actually am still the type of person that i won't use a word unless i know i'm using it right mm-hmm. um but i don't actually i i don't know that that's normal or whatever like i mean they were trying words on for size right and, and this maybe is they the- weren't quite ready to articulate but i loved it but yeah. i was very surprised by it and i and i wasn't really ready for um i mean luckily i had some definitions at my fingertips but i didn't anticipate um me, even having the conversation about appropriation I sort of forgot that they would know, that uh, some of them would have heard what appropriation was, and that then they would use that, and it just surprised me how much they were ready to talk about, but then on the other hand, didn't have a full understanding of. So there was a lot more concept teaching than than I thought we would be doing, so that was a really interesting takeaway for me. Yeah. And I think like work with high schoolers a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think the
2: last few years in high school, I would say if this had been two years ago, you you wouldn't have found that, but so much of this has just been constant conversations in the last few years at at the high school level,
0: right?
2: You know, at our school and in Seattle.
0: Well, you know, it's a good reminder that the, we forget that the world is happening to kids also. Like it's so irresponsible not to acknowledge the world that's occurring to them because it's happening and they're pretty powerless. They don't get to vote, you know, there's no place where their opinion's truly valued and they have things to say. They do. And observations to make.
1: Well, that was one um, of the observations that the kids made. Um, Remember, just flat out said, people don't respect teenagers. Like they flat out said, we feel disrespected as teenagers in general. They weren't saying like we were disrespecting them, but, but that was a general feeling just being a teenager. But like, I think it's important for in a safe educational environment for students to have the chance to try those words out and and yeah. use them because it's like um, you it's, it's learning by doing right yeah. like um, if you think about it as an instrument you're picking it up you're getting better at it by playing it and the more you do it the more you start understanding it and the more you can do with it right and if you start understanding the language and then having these gentle um, like redirects with people, like adults, like Chris, mm-hmm. yourself, who are able to um, give definitions um, to people who maybe used it inappropriately or okay. not quite on target yeah. uh, while, while not making that person feel like a total id.
0: Yeah, that's pretty important.
1: Yeah, and you know, this is true for adults too i mean we all need practice we all benefit from that type of guidance and mentorship from people who are on a different part of this learning spectrum Mm -hmm. and in my work here um like in my work of trying to understand and implement this type of work in the public schools um in my classroom and with my students um I notice that I am definitely on a different part of this learning continuum than many other people. Some people are way farther ahead than me. And some people are-
0: Not doing it at all.
1: Not or they're just not quite where I am in my understanding of this. And it's really important, I think, that we um, always take time to circle back no matter where we are on that spectrum. Always take time to patiently circle back and in a very gentle way that doesn't make someone feel like a total id, be able to remind them of definitions or um, like gladly go back and talk about the meaning of something or um, I don't know, um, because it's, it's just such we're all traveling the same road but just in different places you know
0: yeah uh yeah i'm not good at that <laughs> well chris is really, Chris, <laughs> chris is is really good at it i just need people to like let's hop on board the train is not stopping we're moving right, are you well, on or are you off that's where i'm at right now but i sh- i there's room for me to slow down for sure and I'm very happy to do what that was. Students, of course. I'm yeah. really speaking about my impatience with other folks in our field. Um, if you don't mind, a quick segue. Sure. Feeling good about our wrap up of camp. Is yeah. There anything else we wanted to say about camp?
2: I want to say one thing which is like I think that as music teachers we are in a unique position to be able to do this work. I mean I think Mm -hmm. that all teachers are not maybe not all but all teachers are being encouraged to do this work but the fact that we have pre-established relationships with our students allows us like to delve in a little more like safely or like they trust like we already have that relationship established and I mean I think you saw in one way with the band students not feeling as safe delving into the work they didn't have that connection but also it's just reminded me that last year when we were doing these um conversations as a school in our uh what was it called i don't know i can't remember because it was so long ago <laughs>
1: right
0: like homerooms or whatever yeah. i
2: don't know what we called it but blanking but i didn't have one because i my second period is my prep and then there was a certain teacher that was absent that day and the assistant principal asked me if i would go in and lead that class in this discussion and i was like sure and you know, i'll be fine because like i'd love discussions with my class they'd always went really well and so i was like pretty confident you know i was like whatever sure it'll be fine there's a powerpoint i'll just go through it i'll leave these discussions and it was awful <laughs> yeah there were like these three kids that were just being jerked and like, I tried like walking over and being like, Hey you guys, this is really important. work." Like I tried like meeting them on their level and they just like, they didn't know who I was and they didn't care at all. And, and I was like, Oh my God, this is awful. This is going terribly. And then like really like with the majority going fine. But because I didn't have a relationship with those kids, like they didn't give a shit and like, yeah. it just didn't go well. And so it's like, okay, but with kids that you do have a relationship, where like that's special and you have such an opportunity. Right.
0: If there had been a band director who looped the kids in and or like was able to have some little redirects on the side because they had a relationship with them, we would have been like, easy peasy lemon squeezy all day. Totally. Um, instead, you know, Beth got some hate mail from students. Like, I never want to see that Kelly lit lady again. And she died of <laughs> laughter because when Kelly is the bad guy, it is her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> she loves it. She loves it. When Kelly's the bad guy, it's pretty funny. Um, Well, it is,
1: it's true that, you know, when the students can trust their environment and their teacher, they're going to be way more uh, willing to go along with this work. Even if you, the teacher mess up while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just like, and that, that is, I guess like the, my closing remark on this is you've got to just enter into the work. You're going to mess up. I guarantee you're gonna mess
2: up it's okay to tell your own kids or even when we were meeting with the band kids beforehand to tell them like i i'm nervous too but yeah. like okay we're gonna do this work together
1: yep exactly
0: just didn't really i didn't anticipate that but it was a really like happy thing to discover because i'd like to be able to do this for other schools and wow. i think that we really discovered some of the things that the kids really need to feel safe yeah. doing this work, and it's not a lot. They don't need a lot. They just so need, like,
1: you know, in,
0: in a little bit.
1: You know, I mean, I would suggest that this work maybe shouldn't be done if you're a brand new teacher coming into a position in the fall. Maybe wait till the spring to do it. <laughs> It would have got. I
2: mean, not that anyone wants to do this work on Zoom, but like, you know, they could have been so much more like moving around and and, in, like just
1: if we went in. That it's just challenging online,
0: for sure. Yeah, it doesn't feel as personal and all of that stuff.
1: Just like thinking about the possibilities of doing it in person and the different things that could have been done in person, like could really make it so much more
0: yeah well what i wanted to um pick both of your brains about for our last few minutes is um what okay here's a question for two other really strong women who have very strong ideas about music education (laughs) what i'm going to say this as delicately as i can because it was just brought to my attention as a problem and i haven't decided yet if i should be saying names here's the issue there are women band directors who are coming to me telling me that um their opinion is devalued in large meetings at the district level um and There's this idea that I think is true, that your voice does not carry weight unless you prove yourself with like a number of trophies and a number of kids that you've retained in your program. And I was thinking about that. I was up way too late thinking about that idea, that for our voice as educators in a group of other educators, that unless you've like earned your stripes, that your voice doesn't matter. And I I know that that is true for women because my voice didn't matter until I had showed many years of success at Washington Middle School, right? And there are people who listen to me now who didn't ever give me the time of day simply because my kids got into the essentially Ellington competition, like people that would never even speak to me now, like care that I have an opinion. So this is a true thing. But what I'm really wondering that I was hoping we can unpack right now is if that's true, which I think it is, do men have to earn their stripes in the same way? I don't think so, but also If we're decolonizing our programs and trying to not center Western art music, maybe do less with the competition stuff. How are we going to earn our stripes to earn our voice if we're getting rid of the things that show, you know, what you're doing, how are we going to keep our voice as women through this work? how are we gonna do this? This is a so problem here, I hadn't anticipated.
1: Here's my idea for that. Just simply rise above all of the BS. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, take a different route.
0: Do it anyway?
1: Do something different. Do something different, align with, um, align with, um, entities artists outside organizations that can boost you and boost your voice and vo- boost your program well above anything that could happen at some type of festival or some type of place where you get a trophy um you know? uh, listen,
0: I get it like I do the same thing and I'm kind of ashamed of myself I was thinking if a teacher if I was sitting at a meeting right now listening to me say these things but I'm let's say a third year teacher who has 50 kids in my program and they don't sound like they really know how to play would I listen to my opinion and I don't think I would <laughs> I don't know that I would and I am really concerned about this as a concept. Like, are we listening to the right people? I don't know that we are. Courtney, well, I think she wants to say, I can tell. It, it, I have
2: a couple of things. One is that I think, to be fair, I think it's worse in the instrumental world than it is in the choral world. Yeah. Not that it's not an issue, but um, I think there are more female choir directors. And so it's not as, you don't have to break that barrier quite right, as right, much. Right um also like for me personally when i started teaching in seattle public schools the the only other person that was like a full-time choir director was carol burton so like there weren't and she was just like oh it's so great to have another choir director uh, yeah. i mean now there's there's so many more but um so there I i don't know that i totally experienced that because right because I was in a unique position and I was like 23 and like, okay, well, I'll just go with what I think. Um, but I do think that, that all of what you're saying, like definitely ha- is true and has merit, but I think I've noticed a really interesting shift right now. I think like this is actually a really unique time to sort of turn that whole paradigm on its head because yeah, like we all feel like first year teachers right now, Because we're having to reinvent what we do and how we teach. And I've actually found that I'm like super valuing like first and second year teachers because they graduate, you know, they like learn technology in their ed classes last year and they like maybe grew up using this technology that maybe I'm not as familiar with. So I I
0: have young, fresh, new, innovative, I wanna save the world tomorrow ideas, which are what we need right now.
2: Yeah. So I, th- I think like this is actually a really interesting time to like build all those young voices up and then hopefully as we transition out of this into like whatever our new normal is going to be like we've elevated some people and some ideas that maybe were yeah. different than what we did and, and we keep pushing I, you know as leaders we keep pushing that balance and you know
0: well I am and, uh, super I was... fired up about that I really want to find a way and I would like listeners, if you have ideas, like, please bring us ideas on how we can continue to elevate um, um, dissenting voices, you know, like, I
1: I really want to also say that it's all about collaborating. And it's all about um, those of us that find ourselves in a position of leadership to um, give voice, to individuals, provide partnership, right. not necessarily talk down to someone who isn't having a, a bunch of success, but be like, hey, let's collaborate. Let's let's get our groups together. You know? or do you want to be a part of this event that we're putting on? I mean, being collaborative is the answer to me. Let's yeah, let's bring you, these people in, man. let Let's let's bring them in and they are then going to be able to share their knowledge with us which is different than ours and we can collectively write
0: right well it's a new way of doing things right like listening to student voice that's new for a lot of teachers oh yeah and it's an uncomfortable feeling especially when they don't agree with you like i experienced at the ballard camp you know like well they don't they're not with me on this okay that's unexpected and kind of alarming but okay let's listen to what they need what are they saying um and like let's move through this together and i would love to see that more in the teacher world i am so alarmed at the constant um like facebook band group postings of things like you know that i just think is so unimportant. Well, they're they're hung <laughs> up oh, on what kind
1: part. of they're again. Right.
0: <laughs> Who's got a third trumpet part for bloggity blah blah? It's like what? What are you doing? What are you doing? I was <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sticking here. <laughs> we got we got to do something else right now. I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of like all, all messed up about it right now. I don't have a real clear vision of what I want it to be, but I will say that when I was talking with the UW music ed class um, two days ago that I felt like I was saying, I basically summarized all of the Beth and Kelly shows into wow. one 45 minute conversation (laughs) and I it's a lot I mean that's a lot right and and this was the jazz pedagogy class so for students who are not jazzers they have their 10 weeks where they will learn how to be a jazz teacher and
1: those are the ones that inevitably have the jazz bands (laughs)
0: right and I just looked at them and I said you're all gonna be teaching some sort of jazz group and you all should be mm-hmm. so I am begging you from the bottom of my heart start the work right now because 10 weeks isn't enough you and I both know it and this like let today be you know the start of a lifetime of learning to, how to be an improvisatory teacher you know that's part of the concept uh of a jazz educator is being an Im- improvisa- improvising teacher right. and um Anyway, and their heads were nodding. And I was like, you're kind of with me on this. I feel sort of inspired right now. I want to get with these young teachers and I want to pick their brains and I want to move things forward faster. I just can't. I just, it is so heartbreaking to hear from teachers who have been doing it for, you know, more than 10 years calling me and telling me that, their colleagues are straight shutting them out. It's like, how are we doing a freeze out right now? It's alarming. So I wanna I want to start working on that. That's the next, and I appreciate both of your ideas about that. That's just the start of the convo. Like, we gotta wake
1: people up, man.
0: I love what Courtney had to say about co- calling on young teachers. Yeah. For-
1: we need them, like, um, camp totally would have been an absolute debacle if we didn't have student former student teacher tim bartlett running all of the tech Uh in the background oh my god like yeah Yeah. we need these these folks to like be like giving us pd on how to use platforms (laughs) and all this stuff like Please, teach me how to use uh, Sound Lab or whatever, whatever. thing there is. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <'Cause>
0: yeah. I- <laughs> Did you see that meme that's been going around that was like, if you're over 40 years old, you need to have a friend who's in the 30 under range to keep you informed about new stuff going on? Cause, yeah. Like, it was changing rapidly and basically you're a fuddy dud and don't you know, you're, you need help. Inter, like give yourself an intervention. And I was like, yes, dude, we got to keep our ear to the ground, you know? Yeah. For sure. Totally
1: need, totally need that.
0: That was kind of, that's where my head is headed. That's where I'm headed with my brain this weekend. And I think it all really started watching your students. Um, you know, facilitate some really hard conversations. I was super proud of them. Yeah. Super proud. So thank you both. Yeah. And Chris and I do that. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that um, no one is worse for the wear, you know?
1: I think we benefited. It was hard work. It was a bumpy flight. But in the long run, there was a lot of thought done by each of those kids, I know.
0: So. Yeah. And it sounds like it's continuing, and that's really the point.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the point. That's the point.
0: Cool. Well, I feel like that's a nice little wrap up. Shall yeah. we call it, gals? Yeah. It's five twenty-five. Let's go <laughs> ahead and uh, call her an afternoon, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, oh,
2: thank you for having me. good to so
0: talk. Much. Hell to the yes. Someday we'll be in a coffee shop again, or a yeah. Box. We will ride again. (laughs) In the meantime, um, uh, enjoy your Friday afternoon.
2: You too. Yes.
0: I'll check y'all's later. (laughs) Bye Bye.
1: A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive, monetarily and otherwise, helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product, and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us, and we are delighted you've decided to join.